Hello and welcome to the Killian Brady Performance Podcast, where we discuss everything that you need to take your performance to the next level. On this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Emmett Brennan, an Irish international boxer and two-time national elite champion, who is currently on the road to the Olympics in Tokyo in 2020, or 2021 as we now know it. Emmett talks about the importance of knowing yourself, following a process, having a good routine and overall having a strong mindset. He talks very openly and honestly about all the highs and lows in his career, which there has been many, and how he has overcome some of them lows. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, so I started boxing at 10 years old. Um, before boxing, my big interest would have been soccer. Um, that's all I wanted to be as a kid. Um, and then I suppose my father would have been very, very good friends with me coach. He was my coach now and he's been my coach since I was a kid. I always wanted to try to get me into boxing, but I was just sort of focused on soccer. Played every other sport as well in school, guard, judo, basically anything I could get into just to keep me occupied. Yeah. Um, very, very active kid. But then I think I was playing football and just an incident happened. I got like a punch or something, something along them lines it was. Didn't know how to defend myself. My father was just like, come on down to the boxing club. So I went down to St. Savers in Dorset Street. At the time, would have probably been the best club in Ireland. Um, some great fighters in it. Like said, Dad in Sutherland, who was an Olympian. Um, really, really high caliber of fighters. Good really high caliber. Yeah, this at the very start. Really, really high caliber of trainers. And so I was just from the second I went down, I loved it. I suppose I was in soccer at the time, and it was a team sport. It was, but the second I went down to boxing, it was just completely different. You had to sort of rely on yourself. A lot more individual. Um, but I suppose a lot more in the in. Yeah, soccer club was like maybe seven to eleven of his or ever as a kid. Mm. But in the boxing club, packed was about 30, 40 people, all stages of life, kids to adults. Mm. Um, and I just loved the atmosphere. And Saint Savers as a club, it was real old. I think it was an old fire brigade station. Um, and anyone that's in the boxing, they'll know like the smell of a boxing club. <laughs> it's the smell of like sweat, the condensation on the walls. And so I just fell in love with it. And then as the years went on, I got to about thirteen, fourteen. I drifted away from soccer, and I say fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I was just basically full time boxing. Um, but never had any success as a kid in boxing. Never. Not at national level anyway. I won the Dublin Championships every year from 11 till 16. And you have to win the Dublins to qualify for the All-Irelands. But every year in the All-Irelands, I would have either been beaten in the final or the semi-final. So literally no success. But I was addicted to the sport. I kept on going back. Yeah. Was there just on that point... As a young fella, was there the temptation of when you got to the semi-finals and were beaten and got so close, was there ever a temptation to say, oh, fuck this? I think not really because I just always wanted to be an Irish champion yeah. and it was always my goal. I suppose when I got to like 16, 17, 18, 19 and you're still in the same situation, you're getting to the finals. Mm-hmm. So when you go, when you go 16... You become like um, a you and then an intermediate from seven then on. So you don't actually have to qualify for the All Orleans, you just go straight in. There's no Dublin Championships anymore. Um, same thing was happening 16, 17, 18, 19. 
I was getting this other semi-finals and finals and getting beat. And then you're like, Jesus, I have to go out and get a job. I have to go to college. I have to make money. Yeah. Like, is it really worth anymore? Um, Were you hoping at then, that stage that boxing would be your career? Not really. I didn't. Not really because at the same time, I'm not stupid. I wasn't winning all these titles. So, yeah. it yeah. actually... Yeah, not really good enough to make money out of it. So, and then I was becoming seven. I never really drank until I was like 17, 18. And then this is where the drop off rate comes. Yeah. People start, they get the nightclubs, they get the alcohol. Um, and I'd done all that, but I kept on boxing at the same time. And it wasn't until 20 till I won my four stories title. And I'm just gone back. Ah, it, was, it was unreal. Some, like for me, that's all I ever really. I only had two goals in, in boxing. And sounds, mightn't sound. That um, there might be huge goals, but to me, they were the world. I wanted to be an Irish elite champion and I wanted to be an Olympian. Yeah, they're yeah. the two goals <laughs> I always wanted. Um, yeah. Never never really had any goals of being a professional boxer. It was always an Olympian and an Irish elite champion mm-hmm. because in St. Saviour's, they had Dagen Sutherland who, was gone, who became an Olympian yeah. and then they had numerous elite champions. So that's what I would have been looking up to as a kid. It wasn't anything got to do with professional boxing. Um, but the four stories title I won was an under twenty one title, so it wasn't actually an elite title. Um, then the year after that, I won an intermediate title. I would have been maybe twenty one, and then I went to elite level and just couldn't cut at elite level. It wasn't good enough. So there's a big there's a big difference between intermediate and elite. You always different. So you have athletes in elite that would be at over Olympic standards, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And going back to earlier, I thought I would have been fully mature at 21. That's why we just being naive as a kid, thinking that's what took, that's what age people mature at. But you don't really, not physically and mentally anyway. Um, so that was 21, I won my second Irish title. And it was another four years until I won an elite title. In them four years, there was an awful lot of down. Just yeah. so many injuries. Um, wasn't looking after my body correctly. Um, still drinking or whatever you like. Not taking, not taking training serious and not taking recovery serious. So that's you quit boxing a few times in between then. And then I was 25 going 26. And I was like, you know what? This was the new uh, Olympic cycle. So it was the start of 2007 then. I was like, I'll give this everything I have. And Troy Grant to the national team. And then I won the elites in 2017, which was the first goal that I wanted to do. Was there anything and, uh, for you to just kind of switch to being like, you had four years of going through, you know, injuries, in and out of boxing, basically doing what young people do, going out, enjoying yourself. Was there a moment or was there anything that just made you switch to be like, nah, this cycle for the Olympics is where I'm really going to put my head down? Yeah, I suppose that was... Um, so previous to 2016, I'd always enter competitions with, ne- obviously our goal is to win them, yeah. but I never 100% in myself believed that I was going to win them. So the belief wasn't there, I suppose the mindset wasn't there. And then I came back in the summer of 2016, I entered a tournament in London, it was like it's a box cup tournament. It's a very, very high caliber tournament, and I won that. Um, but going into that tournament, my mindset just completely switched. I was a hundred percent convinced that I was going to win that tournament, and I don't know why. I've never had that mindset before, um, and then I just carried that on to the elites in January two thousand and seventeen. Won them by no means was I the favourite to win them. It's probably like one of the people in them that you would say wasn't going to win it. 
that weight class and I won it I wouldn't say handy but I won it easy enough and I think it was just a shift in mindset that I was actually training to win a tournament rather than training to enter the tournament but yeah I had purpose going into it I knew I was training to be an Irish champion not to enter into an Irish tournament and then I suppose I just kept that mindset going and going throughout this Olympic cycle and we were talking there earlier about people only see the tip of the iceberg this Olympic cycle for me is after being hell like I you do wonder and think sometimes how do you keep going because it is literally just setback out a setback out a setback mm-hmm. and now I'm in the position that I'm in but if I had a quitting once during them setbacks there's no way I'd be here yeah like even yeah. as you said them setbacks it's okay one and then you kind of get over that but you've had even with the whole COVID thing like it you must have had to be mentally strong and yeah, your resilience had to be right up there, probably higher than you ever had it before, with everything that has just been thrown at you. Yeah, yeah. So I obviously, as we were going about, my goal was to win the 2017 national championships. Mm-hmm. They're onto the Irish team. That's also been the goal. This is the Grand National team, out in Abbottstown, Abbottstown, training with the best fighters in the country. You're only going to improve. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. I got onto that team and fought in the European Championships in 2017 and I ended up getting a hearing in my grind. So fought in them, came back from the European Championships. My grind was that, you know, a hearing you can sort of train it a little bit I could train for two weeks and I'd have to take two weeks off train for two weeks have to take two weeks off um, I ended up being out for a year with that but it was like October 2018 when I got the surgery on that so that was a, a time. that was a long time out I got a hand injury in between that so I was out with basically two injuries so I was out boxing for a year um, in, came in back. what was a very important cycle to you yeah a huge at the time it was a huge cycle turned out wasn't important at all, but during that time, obviously, you're thinking the worst things. Yeah. You're thinking two years out from the Olympics, you have to be back in action. So, I got back in action. I had the had the operation in October 2018, it was like an eight week recovery from that. So, I couldn't go back training until December 2018. The national championships were in February 2019. So, I had literally, I was at being out, out boxing for 14 months mm. and I had eight weeks to get ready for the national championships I got to the final of the national championships and got beaten that's 2019 so I was obviously thinking that's the dream over yeah another setback you're not even national champion there's no way you're going to be sent to competitions but I just kept on plugging away was plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. Kept on turning up the training. Kept on doing all the right things. Sleeping well, eating well, staying on top of my hydration. I was just doing everything I could to try to get into that number one spot. Um, and I didn't get the number one spot. <laughs> I done everything I could. I didn't get to it. And then there was a there was a national championships in November last year, 2019. I moved up weight to 81 kilos, and I won them. And that's basically how to get me number one spot. Like, people listen just like me. I was waiting for <laughs> you to say, you know, came back and then got the number one spot. But no, not just another step back. Like, yeah. that was two years. Like, how did you deal with that 14 months of being out? Like, that must have been like, very frustrating, to say the least. Yeah, I suppose it was horrible, but... The only thing that kept me going was, obviously I thought the Olympics was going to be 2020, 
I was like, do you know what? The next year or two, go, bro. Yeah. Do whatever you have to do. Do just everything you have to do. And if you make that team, you make the team. If you don't, you have no regrets. You can get your life back on track. You can make up all the money that you've lost. It can be done easily. But for them two years, just give her everything you have. So it's, it's more like, I think it's more a purpose in my head of having no regrets yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. I think that's important for people listening, you know, and, and I talk a lot about, you know, setting goals and targets and stuff. But if you bring that all right back to what you just said there now, it needs to be focusing on your training, focusing on your hydration, focusing on your nutrition, because it's them small daily steps that will ultimately lead to that bigger picture. And I think sometimes people don't want to focus on the smaller things that you said you just kept plugging away doing the daily things that needed to be done to get to that level yeah I suppose that's look I'm not saying I've been successful but relatively successful but I 100% put that down to having a routine just okay. just just building a routine of doing the small things well as we just said the rest is probably the most important thing to train your body adapts during rest if you're not getting the proper proper rest, they're basically burning the candle at both ends. So if we could literally nail down all them small little things and give myself the best chance of being successful, um, and that would go for any sport, I suppose. Definitely. If and it, I think even you saying that, like a routine can be overlooked sometimes, but a routine, even I think we all need a purpose and a purpose to our day. So when we have a routine, it gives us that little bit of a purpose to get yeah. up and be like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this in order to be able to reach this. And it's just linking all these things together. But it literally starts with getting out of bed and, as you said, carrying on with your routine. Yeah, I suppose it, as well. Like, if you have a routine, it's, for me, it's one less thing to worry about. I know, yeah. I know I'm up at, say, 7 o'clock. I know I'm doing mobility work at quarter past 7. I know I'm getting a shower at 8. I know I'm reading at half 8. I know I'm training at 10. That's one, I don't have to worry about that. That's just clockwork to me. Nothing I have to worry about. Yeah. And that's every day. And if you have if you have a good routine, you can't ever really underestimate. The important thing too is that if you have a routine, you know you're doing the work. You can't ever really underestimate the importance of small wins. Yeah. If you're the if you're doing the right things more times than not, you're basically progressing as a person and an athlete. Yeah, and just uh, just picking up on that point because I was just flicking through a few the articles that you've done here, and I just came across, and it's a very smart quote of all the stuff, but it's just a happy fighter is a dangerous fighter. I just mm. seen that you said, and that stuck out to me because it's just like a fighter or an athlete isn't just the fighter or an athlete. Like as you say, your daily routines as a person, as who you are, you're saying, you know, you're, you're reading, you're getting the training, all that stuff, like as a person, you can't be an unhappy person and a good athlete, or it just makes it very difficult. Yeah, I think like I think your performances definitely reflect a lot on your lifestyle. Yeah. If you're not in a good place, the likelihood is the training that they're actually getting isn't to the standard of what it could be. So if you have all these little things going right for you, you're training better as a person, you're happier. I suppose I can bring this back to when I won the elites there last year. I just moved up away. I couldn't. So I moved from 75 kilo up to 81 kilo. At 75 kilo, I was miserable. I was such a bad person. And it was just... 
it was just the fact of trying to make that way. Mm. I was basically working full time as well at the time. So what I've done from say June two thousand nine no, July two thousand and nineteen to the Elite Championships in November, I actually went out, took a loan from the credit union so I could stop so I could stop working. And that basically just gave me that much more freedom freedom yeah. to be happier as a person and everything just changed from there. My training got better. I wasn't focused on making weight. I was actually focused on performing and training, which made me technically a better boxer. Just going all in like that. To sort of, as you say, you can make up the money afterwards. You can yeah. do whatever you need to do. But now you're just kind of at the stage where like, for yourself even, to have that confidence, be like, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, whether it yeah. works or whether it doesn't, I can't look back and say, you know, I didn't do enough. And I think, Regret is probably one of the biggest killers. You regret the stuff. Yeah, so that, that would have been the big thing because I knew the winner of them championships in November was going to the qualifiers. There was no doubt about that. The winner was going to that. So it was literally all in. Everything you have, go all in. No regret. If it doesn't work out, as I said, you can always make money back. Yeah. But you'll never, ever get this chance or opportunity again. So yeah. basically, go all in. Does that change your mindset too when you're at that point where you're like, I'm all in now? Does it give you that more clarity and focus when you when you just kind of make that switch? Well, I suppose, if anything, it could put a lot of pressure on you. It could potentially, it depends which way you look at it. In my mind, I just knew I was doing the right thing for myself. Yeah. So my dreams was to be an Olympian and this was the best chance I could give myself for fulfilling that dream. So it was, I suppose in terms of pressure, I actually, I didn't actually feel pressure because I was 100% convinced I was winning that championships. And I did. Like, I, I, I just knew I was doing the right thing for myself. I think that's the thing, what you said, that's for you. That's the way you want to approach it. For people listening, I always say it's like, it's so important to understand yourself and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Someone else could try do what you've done and feel all this pressure because they've gone all in. But for you, it yeah. works for you. And I think that's so important that you know what works for you. Yeah, and then other people might might not be in the same circumstances as yeah. me. I have a great a great family behind me that support me one hundred percent. I have great friends that support me one hundred percent. So I have although I might be risking a lot, I still had people behind me that were gonna yeah. have me back even if I fell. So yeah. I suppose the risk wasn't that much when you look at it that way. Um yeah. I suppose, and that's a, that's another thing as an athlete, you have to surround yourself with good people. I was just going to ask that, about that support network that you have behind you must be extremely important. Yeah, cautious, because like, when I moved up from 75 to 81, you could have people like, um, why are you making that choice? Uh, maybe maybe putting negative thoughts in their head without actually realising it. Yeah. But every single person I had behind my back said, yeah, go for it. You're making the right, the right choice. And it'll pay off. So I suppose surround yourself with people like that. That's positive. And a basically looking out for your well-being is crucial to being a good athlete. Again, no matter what who the athlete is, no matter how successful they are, nobody gets to where they want to be on their own. Nobody does. And you look at the likes of the likes of your club coaches. They're all volunteers. They don't get any gain by you doing well. So. Their advice is always crucial. They, they they want the best for you as a person. Yeah, they're basing 
their opinions and their thoughts on what's best for you, not kind of some hidden agenda that maybe progressed yeah, down. There is no hidden agenda for them. They're volunteers in sport. They're giving up their time. Like my coach is coming up to national championships would potentially be giving me about 20 hours a week. That's yeah. a that's a part-time job then. Yeah. They're doing, yeah. Not, they're doing all for free. They just have your best intentions at heart. So for you now, what does, you're just back from a camp in Italy. Mm-hmm. What does the next couple of months look like for you? So obviously we're back from a camp. We come from a different country. So we have to restrict our movement now for yeah. the next two weeks. Um, oh, I'm still going to train full time at home. I have a boxing bag out the back. Um, like still going runs like that. So I'm still basically in full-time training. And then I suppose we have a camp next month. We have a camp probably the start, end of November, start of December. Then we'll head off back to our own clubs for Christmas. And then from January onwards, it's full throttle. Um, the qualifiers are looking like they're going to be the end of February, start of March. So basically... I know who I fight next in the qualifier. It's a lad from Switzerland. And that's basically where my focus is right now. I'm beating him. I have to beat him and win one more fight and then I'll qualify it. So, um, solely, if I don't beat this first fella, I don't qualify. So, basically, all my attention is just on beating him. Yeah, focus around. Focus around beating him, yeah. But, I suppose, in terms of getting to there, there's still a lot of hard work to be done. It's just going back to, as we talked about earlier, getting back into that routine. I think that's a perfect example of, you know who you're fighting, you know, you know, what you need to do, but yet, focusing on that fight is actually no good to you. It's focusing Mm. on the daily stuff that's going to basically help you win that fight. Yeah, look I think a big thing that I've took in the last year would be, okay, I'm not going to say something that might be a, not negative, okay, but yeah. if I don't get to the Olympics, but I follow, that pro, I follow the process of getting there 100%, yeah. I can live with that. Yeah, I think that's, that's honest. Yeah, so once I follow the process, I'm I'm happy with that. Obviously, I'll be good if I don't get there. Yeah, but it's something I can live with. But and the process is basically what we just went on on about there. Doing the right thing day in day out. So that's where my main focus is now. Um, obviously, I have like Christmases, maybe eight weeks before the qualifiers. So Christmas is cancelled again, I suppose. <laughs> Christmas is doubly cancelled for you. Yeah. But look, you, you don't mind that. No, not especially with the times that are in it too. Like, yeah, not going to be that much temptation. I don't think this Christmas of all Christmases. No. And look, there'll be Christmas for the rest of my life. Yeah. You only get one chance at the Olympics. So yeah, it's just all in for that. I'm That's... looking as well. I'm looking forward to getting back into camp again and getting. Obviously, I said I got sick in the last camp, so I'm just I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting two or three good, good international camps with great sparring. That's yeah. where my main focus is, because the sparring is where you're going to get your sharpness back and you're going to get in with that intensity and they're going to be against international fighters. So, yeah, you can't really beat that. You can't really beat And yeah, I know I'm saying sparring the are not spars that basically fights. Yeah. They are. Yeah. They're, they're as good as fights. So and you're going like if you fight. want to improve and the person you're fighting is the exact same. So, you know, it, it's, it's both people are trying to get the most out of it. Yeah. And then, it's not even that, 
you box them because you you enjoy the the engagement and the fighting part. So yeah. we're at the going we're, we're at the going seven months throughout the part that we enjoy the most. True. So I suppose like this, it's a weird thing that boxers say because it just sounds completely weird. You miss getting punched. Yeah. You miss the you miss like just the feeling of combat. Yeah. Um, and it's slowly coming back, which is great. I suppose it's a bit like any. It's a bit like for even soccer or Gaelic. It's like training all the time and never get to play a match. Yeah, and the likes of rugby players, they probably miss the the scrums, yeah, the, the big hits. It. Yeah, it's it's that's where the adrenaline comes from, and that's what you do for, I suppose, the enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, mm. and again, that's a big thing. I think enjoyment. That's still of it. I guess even at the level that you're at, at which is at a you know, ridiculously high standard. Mm. It still needs to come back to enjoyment. Yeah, well, I suppose, I suppose if you're not enjoying it, you're not really going to stick to it, are you? Are you yeah. not going to, I know I keep on going back to routine because everything is about routine. You're not going to do the little things right if you're not enjoying it. Um, it just takes the fun out of things. If, if you're not enjoying something, it's, it is very, very hard to stick at. Yeah, if you're not enjoying the process, you're probably not going to enjoy the outcome, even if it is success. Yeah. Yeah, and like I suppose like once the going gets tough, you more than likely you'll you'll pack it in, or you'll you'll look for an excuse to grow. I think the big thing, and I I I love the fact that that you brought it up is that thing that came up loads is the root. Like you can get to whatever level that you're at, but again, it comes back to your simple daily routines, which which uh, most people will overlook and go for like the big goals or you need to set these big. But really, when you Drill down into it. It is exactly what you said. It's your daily routines. Yeah, like obviously, so you, there is obviously the big huge goal, and that's of being an Olympian. But no matter what it is, everyone have a huge goal. But there's obviously little small goals that get you there. There's a big gap in between not, where you are now and your big goal. Yeah, you're not just going to turn up at the qualifiers and qualify. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously. Apart from the small things that we said, the routine, there's still the training that has to be done as well. There's the physical stuff, there's the technical stuff, and there's also, it looks like you're doing the mental stuff. The thing that I do say about boxing is there's three parts to it, the physical side, the technical side, and the mental side. Yeah. And all, all three of them are of equal importance because I've seen boxers throughout the years that have been physically and technically unbelievably talented but mentally they can't do it. And then I suppose from from my perspective, I would probably be physically and mentally very, very talented, but technically I might lack a few bits and bobs here and there, but I make up from that for doing the right things. That is, I'm going to leave it on that point because I think that point alone is like, for people to understand that to have the mindset can comprehend other stuff, but it's very hard to win anything without having a level of a competitive or a single yeah. and you can even you can go back to soccer there like if you go back to soccer you look at some of the teams that Alex Ferguson has you look he had the likes of John O'Shea Darren Fletcher yeah. Wes Brown all these players that are technically probably average players I don't know yeah. I wouldn't be a great great person to ask for soccer but yeah. they obviously had something that made them champions and it definitely wasn't that technical ability yeah so obviously mentally they had something they were they had something deep that they were they they would do anything to win a game 
Well, I, I think, I suppose, like, the mental side of things, you'd probably know more about this now. I think as time goes on, it is becoming more important and people are probably realising the importance yeah. of it. Because I, I think I heard you, one of your goals is to make to make um, the mental side of the game as important as having your nutritionist and having your S&C coach. Yeah. Yeah. And I think over time, I think people are sort of realising that. And I think, even from my point of view, I just want people to realise and be aware of the men. Because I think sometimes, it's, it's hopefully again, but like, I just don't think people are aware of it. And then when someone says yeah. something to you about the mindset, I think it's like, that really makes sense. You know, it, it, it's practical stuff that you can do to help yourself. I just don't think people, you know, lock into it enough. Because coming up underage... You just have your technical bit, and then you'll get into your strength and conditioning, and then it's kind of just fend for yourself after that when it comes to your mindset. You know, so like I would love, and that's why I do this podcast and get people like yeah. you on to just re- like a mindset isn't this thing that you have to sit down and meditate and you know all yeah. reading. It's it's the stuff that you're just after discussing. It's the routines. It's the habit. It's that changing that mindset of okay, I'm going to go all in. And a perfect example for you was. You were going into the competition to win, not just to be there, not just to be competing yeah. at it. You were going to win. That's all mindset. And people mightn't realise mm-hmm. that's what it is. But that's when it, what it comes down to in its simplest forms is all them simple stuff and being aware and conscious of what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you're doing it for. Yeah, I, boy, I think slowly, you know, it might be very, very slowly, it might yeah. be too slow for you at the moment, but yeah. I think people are sort of, I think people are sort of tapping into it now as time so, goes yeah. on. And I suppose the likes of these podcasts and the likes of social media are probably helping to build that. Like they're giving the likes yourself and other sports psychologists a platform that mm-hmm. maybe they didn't have five or six years ago. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and I think the more people that talk about it and get into it and you know other coaches that come along with that kind of attitude it'll only be good because you can never I don't think have enough people talking about it because people are often say to me is you know why would you promote other coaches or why would you kind of promote other people and so and it's like look at the amount of strength and conditioning coaches out there like ah yeah we need more people chatting and talking about the mindset side of things so the more people that are doing it the more benefit mm-hmm everybody will get from different perspectives. Yeah, it'll, just, it'll make them a lot more mainstream. Yeah. Um, I know, if I go back to myself, I know if I didn't change that mindset a few years ago and become, I was always mentally strong enough, but if I wasn't as mentally strong as I am now, I would not be fighting. Yeah. I wouldn't be boxing. Simple as that. Um, so yeah, that's, I think, yeah, it's, it's underrated. Definitely underrated. Because I think you can, if you're going back to the likes of Darren Fletcher and all them, you can actually get by without being technically brilliant. Yeah, oh, but, definitely. Yeah, if you're weak in the mind, I think you'll always be found out. And I eventually. think if you're, if you're weak in the mind on the field, you're weak in the mind in general. Like The thing I try to get across to is like a mindset, what we discussed earlier on, a happier fighter is a dangerous fighter. You know, mm. It's not just about being better on the pitch. All these small daily habits and goals and, you know, resilience. And it's to benefit your life in general and benefit you as a person, not just an athlete. Like, I'm sure when you have your routine, you have your habits, you're a happier, better person to be around, you know. So it has an impact on your life, not just your sport. Yeah, and I suppose, like, 
I was only telling this to my coach the other day. Like, although the last few years had to be the toughest years of my life, they had to be the best years of my life. And he was saying, like, you won't actually realise this until you look back in 20 years' time. He says, you're living the best years of your life. Because you don't realise now, but you actually are in the best years. He says he was talking to... I think I might have been there now nearly he was talking to and he was saying like he didn't realise how much he'd miss it. All these tough times turned out to be the best years of his life. Especially in boxing, you can learn mm. so much from boxing that can relate to life. I think it's probably mm. one of them sports where it's a tough ass sport, but you learn a lot about yourself within it. Yeah, like as I said, the resilience that I've shown in the last few years, and I know I'll have that for the rest of my life because yeah. after boxing, there's going to be plenty more tough times in my life, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Um, at least I know I have some sort of resilience and backbone that I can deal with probably anything that comes my way. Um, Definitely. I just, I just I think boxing or any combat sport or any individual sport, I think it does. It teaches kids or adults even at that a good bit of independence about themselves. Yeah, you have to think on their own. You have to make the right choices on their own. Um, it's something that I definitely encourage anyone to put their kids into. It struck me when you said when you go into a boxing gym, you you see the top athletes in that gym from five six years of age. You know, so the mm. six year olds are looking at these people maybe down the back of the gym or in the ring. And they can see these athletes. So if you can see it, you can go, well, we're training in the same building. Why couldn't I do what they're doing? And it makes that real, really realistic of a goal to be like, okay, I just want to do what they're doing. Yeah, if I can remember being a kid and looking at that in Sutherland training, and we'd, yeah. we'd be shadow boxing. And I can just remember looking out of the corner of my eye and he'd be showing a double jab, backhand, and then I'd be trying to double jab, backhand. He'd <laughs> literally just be copying him for, for an hour. Yeah. And used to love it. Addicted to it. Yeah. I think that's so important. That, and that, that's what I love about the aspect of type of training where it's just like, it's just all one. And the, I suppose in a, in a boxing club, you'll have all walks of life. Yeah. You'll have people that's rich, you'll have people that's broke. Yeah. You have people that come from broken families, people that come from great families. But for maybe that hour and a half, no one gives a shit. You're just there to improve as a person and train. Doesn't the really like I've never you never you rarely see any bullies that come from a boxing club and you do you get to engage with so many people from the star walks of life. You know, I like the idea of, of everybody there for boxing. Nothing else, just whether you're rich as you say, whether you're poor, whether you're you know, at the top of your game, whether you're just starting out, you're literally under the same roof doing the same thing. I think. Mean, yeah, that's... and not like boxing, all you need is a pair of gloves and a gum shield. <laughs> they, they literally cost you nothing to do it. Yeah, and learn so much from it. Yeah. Emmett, thank you so much for giving up more than your time oh, this Saturday morning. Appreciate really appreciate you coming on yeah. and the chat. And I know for a fact that people listening to this will get a lot from listening to you and your story. <laughs> No problem. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you want to find out more information about my Mindset for Performance programs, where I help you take your performance to the next level by working with you to put a plan in place. We look at goal setting, identifying key milestones and targets, obstacles and may occur, accountability, and overall help you build your confidence. Head over to my Instagram page at Killian Brady 
or KB underscore performance underscore coaching for more information. Until next time, keep moving forward.